Chapter 15 of A Confession by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Almer Maud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How often I envied the peasants for their illiteracy and lack of learning. Those statements in the creeds which to me were evident absurdities for them contained nothing false. They could accept them and could believe in the truth, the truth I believed in. Only to me, unhappy man, was it clear that with truth falsehood was interwoven by the finest threads, and that I could not accept them in that form. So I lived for about three years. At first, when I was only slightly associated with truth as a catechumen, and was only scenting out what seemed to me clearest, these encounters struck me less. When I did not understand anything, I said, It is my fault, I am sinful. But the more I became imbued with the truths I was learning, the more they became the basis of my life, the more oppressive and the more painful became these encounters, and the sharper became the line between that which I do not understand because I am not able to understand it, and what cannot be understood except by lying to oneself. In spite of my doubts and sufferings, I still clung to the Orthodox Church. But questions of life arose which had to be decided, and the decision of these questions by the Church, contrary to the very basis of the belief by which I lived, obliged me at last to renounce communion with Orthodoxy as impossible. These questions were, first, the relation of the Orthodox Eastern Church to other churches, to the Catholics and to the so-called sectarians. At that time, in consequence of my interest in religion, I came into touch with believers of various faiths, Catholics, Protestants, Old Believers, Moloccans, and others. And I met among them many men of lofty morals who were truly religious. I wished to be a brother to them. And what happened? That feeling which promised to unite all in one faith and love, that very teaching, in the person of its best representatives, told me that these men were all living a lie, and that what gave them their power of life was a temptation of the devil, and that we alone possessed the only possible truth. And I saw that all who do not profess an identical faith with themselves are considered by the Orthodox to be heretics, just as the Catholics and others consider the Orthodox to be heretics. And I saw that the Orthodox, though they try to hide this, regard with hostility all those who do not express their faith by the same external symbols and words as themselves. And this is naturally so. First, because the assertion that you are in falsehood and I am in truth is the most cruel thing one man can say to another. And secondly, because a man loving his children and brothers cannot help being hostile to those who wish to pervert his children and his brothers to a false belief. And that hostility is increased in proportion to one's greater knowledge of theology. And to me, who considered that truth lay in union by love, it became self-evident that theology was itself destroying what it ought to practice. This offense is so obvious to us educated people who have lived in countries where various religions are professed and have seen the contempt, self-assurance, and invincible contradiction with which Catholics behave to the Orthodox Greeks and to the Protestants, and the Orthodox to the Catholics and the Protestants, and the Protestants to the two others, and the similar attitude of old believers, Pashkovites, Russian evangelicals, Shakers, and all religions, that the very obviousness of the temptation at first perplexes us. One says to oneself, it is impossible that it is so simple, and that people do not see that if two assertions are mutually contradictory, then neither of them has the sole truth which faith should possess. There is something else here, there must be some explanation. I thought there was, and sought that explanation, and read all I could on the subject, and consulted all whom I could. And no one could give me any explanation, except the one which causes the Sumsky Hussars to consider the Sumsky Hussars the best regiment in the world, and the Yellow Uchans to consider the best regiment of the world as the Yellow Uchans. The ecclesiastics of all the different creeds, through their best representatives, told me nothing but that they believed themselves to have the truth, and the others to be in error, and that all they could do was to pray for them. I went to Archimandrites, bishops, elders, monks of the strictest orders, and asked them, but none made any attempt to explain the matter to me except one man, 
who explained it all, and explained it so that I never had to ask anyone any more about it. I said that for every unbeliever turning to belief, and all our young generation are in a position to do so, the question that presents itself first is, why is truth not in Lutheranism, nor in Catholicism, but in Orthodoxy? Educated in the high school, he cannot help knowing what the peasants do not know, that the Protestants and Catholics equally affirm that their faith is the only true one. Historical evidence twisted by each religion in its own favor is insufficient. Is it not possible, said I, to understand the teaching in a loftier way, so that from its height the differences should disappear as they do for one who believes truly? Can we not go further along the path like the one we are following with the old believers? They emphasize the fact that they have a differently shaped cross and different alleluias and a different procession round the altar. We reply, You believe in the Nicene Creed, in the seven sacraments, and so do we. Let us hold to that, and in all other matters you do as you please. We have united with them by placing the essentials of faith above the unessentials. Now with the Catholics can we not say, You believe in so-and-so and in so-and-so, which are the chief things. As for the filioque clause and the Pope, do as you please. Can we not say the same to the Protestants, uniting with them in what is most important? My interlocutor agreed with my thoughts, but told me that such conceptions would bring reproach of the spiritual authorities for deserting the faith of our forefathers, and this would produce a schism, and the vocation of the spiritual authorities is to safeguard in all its purity the Greco-Russian Orthodox faith inherited from our forefathers. And I understood it all. I am seeking a faith, the power of life, and they are seeking the best way to fulfill in the eyes of men certain human obligations and fulfilling these human affairs they fulfill them in a human way. However much they may talk of their pity for their erring brethren, and of addressing prayers for them to the throne of the Almighty, to carry out human purposes violence is necessary, and it always has been applied and is and will be applied. If of two religions each considers itself true and the other false, then men desiring to attract others to the truth will preach their own doctrine. And if a false teaching is preached to the inexperienced sons of their church, which has the truth, then that church cannot but burn the books and remove the man who is misleading its sons. What is to be done with a sectarian, burning, in the opinion of the Orthodox, with the fire of false doctrine, who in the most important affair of life, in faith, misleads the sons of the church? What can be done with him except to cut off his head or incarcerate him? Under the Tsar Alexis Mikhailovich, people were burned at the stake, that is to say, the severest method of punishment of the time was applied, and in our day also the severest method of punishment is applied, detention in solitary confinement. The second relation of the church to a question of life was with regard to war and executions. At the time Russia was at war, and Russians, in the name of Christian love, began to kill their fellow men. It was impossible not to think about this, and not to see that killing is an evil repugnant to the first principles of any faith. Yet prayers were said in the church for the successes of our arms, and the teachings of the faith acknowledged killing to be an act resulting from faith. And besides the murders during war, I saw during the disturbances which followed the war, Christian dignitaries and teachers and monks of the lesser and stricter orders who approved the killing of helpless, erring youths. And I took note of all that is done by men who profess Christianity, and I was horrified. End of chapter 15